making these hats was just filling my bucket. And real estate was cool, but it was not filling my bucket. So in 2010, I quit my job in real estate, which was sort of a shock to everyone. They're like, are you sure you want to do that? And I was damn sure I wanted to do that. So I quit my job to pursue making hats. This episode of I Digress Podcast is brought to you by Health IQ, an insurance company that believes people who get shit done for their health should benefit from their hard work. So if you're a skier, runner, cyclist, vegan, or whatever else you enjoy doing to stay healthy, head over to healthiq.com slash idigress for more info. Welcome to episode 15 of I Digress Podcast. I'm Arul Chanel. Before we get going with today's guest, I'm going to digress for a moment. The other day I was grabbing coffee with my friend. And we spoke a lot about basically everything, from what our dreams were for this next year to how a few simple steps could solve the current issues plaguing society. The reason I'm bringing this up is that a lot of the discussion centered around the concept of living in love. There's the well-known passage from the Gospel of Mark that includes the phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm not an overly religious person, but that advice needs to be digested purposefully. The message doesn't start with your neighbor. It starts with you. Love yourself. Because how are you supposed to love others unless you have love in your heart for you? And that's where today's episode comes into the fold. It's the story of the positive and purposeful life of my friend Galen Gifford. To those who know him professionally, Galen is the co-founder of the very successful, fun-first hat company, Big Truck. And to those who have gotten to know him personally, Galen is a ball of positivity and love, who has a big personality to match his big, purposeful, and generous life. With that said, let's begin. Who is Galen Gifford? Yes, who's Galen Gifford? So when I think of myself, I'm definitely a son, a father, husband, friend, someone who tries to lead with love. I'm someone who's often trying to choose love over fear, so intentionally living in love. I'm someone who likes to live a big life. You know, I'm I'm going for big things, and I'm aware that life is short, and we have a short period of time in this beautiful world, so I just want to use every moment to experience, to learn, to grow, and, you know, above all else, have fun, have meaningful moments with the people I love, and, and just continue to sort of attack my goals. Sounds like a beautiful way to live. And what does Galen hope we get out of his story? I hope people can find a shed of inspiration, realize that everyone's different, you know. Every person is different. We have different things. But what the common factor is that we're all going through challenge and struggle um, in different ways. And I would love for people to take away from this conversation that it's a choice, right? Having a perspective of love is a choice. Having fun is a choice. And just your overall mentality is a choice. We are at choice every day um, of who we want to be. And I would love people to realize that, you know, when you wake up, and you're having a bad day because of circumstances that are totally reasonable for having a bad day, that is an opportunity for us to say, okay, I'm a choice, and I can attack this challenge with fear or with love. And hopefully people will realize that, you know, fear is just a big burden to hold on to, and love, love is a wonderful place to live in. Fear is a burden. It's exhausting. It raises doubt. It causes conflict. It suppresses potential. As we progress through Galen's story, try to pay attention to what he just said. 
Now, the mindset behind the deliberate act of choosing love had to come from somewhere. Let's hear about what his early years were like. My mom and dad are childhood sweethearts. They got together at 16 years old, which blows my mind at this age. I'm you know, 37 now, and I just I can't believe my folks have been together since 16. And they grew up in Evanston, Illinois, which is right outside of Chicago. And my dad is a musician. You know, he was a drummer in a band. And my mom, it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful person who loved Greek mythology and was super into um, spirituality. And anyway, they drove at like 18 years old. They jumped in my dad's car with his band and my mom, his girlfriend at the time, and they were driving to San Francisco from Chicago. And they ended up stopping in Tahoe City in a place called Dollar Point. Uh, where my great aunt had a home. So they basically were on their way to, to uh, San Francisco. They stopped in Tahoe. My dad's band started gigging and playing shows in Tahoe City and, and around that area. And my parents never made it to San Francisco. So they stayed in Tahoe. My dad started playing music. My mom started going to school to get her PhD in psychology. And then they had me at 19 years old. And I was born in Truckee. Um, raised in Tahoe City, so I'm actually a native to Tahoe, which is super rare. And yeah, I'm just I'm grateful, man. I'm grateful that they they never made it to San Francisco um, and stayed in Tahoe because it just gave me this this childhood of living in the mountains and playing in the lake and living in Tahoe. You know, you always had vacationers coming in. I always would meet new friends in the summertime and uh, new girls to to meet. So it was just a lot of different people we got to experience. We got to play outside, mountain bike, get in the dirt, explore the forest, make tree houses, and just go buck wild as a kid, you know. I remember summers where I never put shoes on. I mean, I'd be romping through the forest and riding bikes and skateboarding, and just, like, my feet were just bare to the ground. And it was just such a, like, a wholesome childhood to grow up in, in Tahoe and experience all four seasons, like really appreciate the snow and the cold and appreciate the summer and, and you know, fall, the beautiful foliage and fall and, and spring was always an awesome time because summer's my favorite time in Tahoe. I love time on the lake and swimming in the water. It's such a such a catharsis, right? It's like it's where the mountains and the water are. It's like a healing place to be in, in the summer when you can swim in Tahoe and, and have the like sort of kinetic energy of the mountains all around you. It's I'm just, I'm so grateful that they, uh, they never made it to San Francisco. Nature, fun, friends, and Tahoe. Sounds pretty wonderful. Obviously, his parents' decision to settle in Tahoe played a huge role in his mindset and development. But like anyone else, Galen had his difficulties. So I remember starting school in kindergarten, and I even remember in kindergarten just having sort of trouble learning I didn't quite understand what the teacher was saying, and it just, like, it didn't register with me. So I would sort of, like, lash out. I'd be even more social and sort of disruptive in class. And I remember being this kid going, well, since I can't figure out this stuff you're teaching me, I'm just going to have fun with these, like, make the best of this situation. And she drug me across the room, and I got this huge rug burn on my back and that's sort of my first memory of kind of being like well I don't I'm not learning how these folks are learning so I'm gonna have a different approach and and then you know first grade I just got in trouble a lot second grade I just you know I I, I wasn't able to retain information 
And I think by third grade, they finally like tested me for learning disabilities and they found that I was dyslexic, which was, it was great to like know that, I think, for my parents and me because we could sort of attack the problem differently. But the dyslexia was definitely a challenge growing up. It took me longer to read and it still, it takes me longer to retain information or to learn something. I, I just have to do it in a different way. So, that was tough, you know. It was really, really tough in school to just sort of feel like you're dumb. Um, why can't I learn this math problem? Why can't I read out loud? It, it definitely made me, like, nervous to get called on to read, and I remember having, like, visceral experiences. When it was my turn to read, I would get kind of clammy and, and nervous, and then I would sort of stumble my way through it. And, you know, if I got made fun of, it was okay because I was a super nice and fun person. So I really kind of leaned on my charisma, I would say, versus my skill set. So I was able to foster my character a lot in school, I think, and who I am today. But I was definitely, you know, lagging behind in the academics. Dyslexia, I feel, is very misunderstood. After getting to know Galen a bit, I read up on it and came across this really inspiring quote from martial arts expert and dyslexia advocate, Scott Sonnen. I didn't succeed despite my dyslexia, but because of it. It wasn't my deficit, but my advantage. Although there are neurological trade-offs that require that I work creatively, I wouldn't have it any other way than my awesome self. I love being me, regardless of the early challenges I faced. When I read that quote, I instantly thought of Galen and his outlook. So getting back to Galen's story, he shared this interaction that he had in high school with the vice principal that I think sums up the challenges he faced and posed as a gregarious youngster. You know, I was getting maybe solid C's in, in high school. That was good for me because I was passing. And, um, but I was also somewhat disruptive in high school, just being super social and, and being kind of someone who sort of empowers the group to have fun. And I remember the last half of my senior year in high school, the vice principal came to me after lunch and he said, hey, hey, Galen, you know, you don't have to come to school anymore and do like the gym or whatever classes I was doing. He's like, we'll still pass you, um, but I think it's just better that, you know, <laughs> after lunch, you just leave and don't come home. And I was like, high five. That's amazing. Thanks, vice principal. And looking back on that now, it's really funny because I do think I was just being sort of a rowdy disruptive kid in high school and so he sort of found the most appropriate route for him and, and to get through the day was for me to not come back and I just I just I laugh at myself now thinking about that. Galen looks back and laughs now that he was a bit of a pain in the ass at times but one of the cool things about his educational experience is how he reflected and internalized it. This next bit speaks to that and the impact it's had on his thoughts and expectations for what he wants for his daughters. I never felt like I was intentionally trying to be disruptive. I mean, gosh, think about the teachers that really took the time with me and gave me that extra effort and, or realized that I learned a different way and how incredibly special those people are to me in my life and how they were such helpers. And then I think about the other teachers who were sort of just trying to get through the day, which I can appreciate, and didn't take the time to realize that I learned a different way and how those relationships were a challenge for me which was such a great training because, let's be honest, not everyone's going to be, you know, puppies and sunflowers to you in life. And it's really, you know, it really 
taught me that it depends on my attitude, how I act in the world is how I'm going to feel. I, you know, when I'm with an, an awesome teacher and they're helping me, that's great. But when I'm with a teacher who isn't trying to help me, it was still, the onus was still on me to give my hardest work and my best effort. And that's sort of my message to my daughters. I have these two two daughters that I, I just want them to love the process of learning. And I don't give a shit what grade they get, you know? Just like I didn't care what grades I got. I just wanted to pass. What I really want, hopefully all kids to know, is that it's about the process. It's about loving learning. It's about loving wanting to learn and not necessarily getting the A or this or that. Like if my daughters love to learn and they love the process of learning, then I will be a happy dad. So now that he's out of high school, it's time for Galen to leave Tahoe and explore. After high school, I moved with my best friend, Evan, to Santa Barbara, which was such an awesome time in life because, you know, we love Tahoe, but it's also this kind of small sheltered area. And we were definitely creating more culture and different experiences as these, you know, 18, 19-year-old kids. So we got to um, go to Santa Barbara City College. We moved into our new house. It was like the best time ever, right, moving away from home and like going grocery shopping for the first time and meeting new friends. And, and I, you know, I signed up for all these classes in City College and I was struggling through them. I was loving living alone and kind of having that experience. But boy, school was not fun for me. So, you know, I remember getting out of English class and calling my mom being like, Mom, I, you know, I, I, I want to stop going to school. I just feel like I'm forcing it. I'm over it. And I just want to be done. And my mom just was like, go ahead, sweetie. <laughs> You're an adult now. Like, do what you want. Essentially, she empowered me to, to make a decision for myself. And I dropped out of school. I did finish one class, which was human sexuality. And I have four credits, four college credits to this day in human sexuality. That class perked my interest at, at 19 years old. And, and so I've got those credits. But I dropped out, and then I became a personal trainer. I was in the fitness and health, um, doing a lot of working out at that time. And I started my first business of being a, a personal trainer. So I'd go to people's homes um, and train them in their house. And I started making $100 a session and making really good money and uh, ended up buying a boat uh, in the Santa Barbara Harbor and living, Evan and I lived on a boat in the Santa Barbara Harbor, which was the coolest thing ever because you've got the harbor right there. You've got State Street, which is the main drag in Santa Barbara with all the cool little clubs. And, you know, we were just like having an amazing time living on this boat, taking it to the ranch up north to go surfing to the Channel Islands, cruising, learning about boating and um, it was just an all-time amazing experience uh, and I was having a great time there but I, I then sort of was craving more experiences and I ended up for some weird reason I always wanted to go to the Virgin Islands when I was a kid I just thought it sounded super exotic and um, I'd been to Hawaii a couple times being on the west coast but never the Caribbean and I had this desire to go to the Virgin Islands and I uh, ended up leaving Santa Barbara and I moved to the Virgin Islands with no real plan other than I'm going to experience something new. I got to the Virgin Islands. I flew into St. Thomas. And the first night I was there, 
I, I got a little hotel next to the airport, and in the middle of the night, I heard this, like, gunshots, and I woke up, and I looked out my room, and there's this, like, awesome Jamaican dude shooting an Uzi, like, right outside my room, like, black, and I didn't know if he was shooting a person, if there was, like, this war erupting around my room, or what was going on, so I was sort of up the rest of the night, I woke up, and I talked to the front desk at the hotel, and they said, oh, there was a celebration, and when they celebrate, they get out their guns and shoot them up in the air. And I just remember, like, this little sheltered Tahoe kid going, okay, I guess I'm not in Tahoe anymore. And I ended up meeting this awesome guy named James. He used to be a DJ for the music group Sublime, which then turned into the Long Beach Dub All-Stars. And he and I kicked it. We threw some house parties, some pool parties. And I ended up working at a gym there. And then I ended up working on a um, a 65-foot catamaran, and my job was to pick up passengers on cruise ships and my job was to pour rum and make sure everyone was having a good time living on a boat uzis and chilling with sublime's dj in st thomas no big deal and rum on a catamaran yes please especially with all this fucking snow so galen was obviously living life to the fullest but eventually he realized it was time to engage his future let's just say his path to the future has a bit of a twist and then i moved to San Diego, and Evan ended up moving down there as well, my best pal. So I was doing the personal training stuff, so I got a job at the Sport One Club, and it was in La Jolla, which is a really affluent, nice area. So I was just kind of doing the gym thing, but I was decided I would start studying to become a real estate agent. I thought I could get my real estate license and move back to Tahoe, where I have all this local knowledge, and I could kill it. I could kill the game. I could... I know that area, and and that was sort of my vision at the time, but I had to make some money so I could buy some courses for the real estate exam, and I was doing a little of the personal training, but I was definitely surfing more than doing that, and my dear friends out of Reno, they started a bathroom attendant company in San Diego, so yes, I became a bathroom attendant And that was just such a trip and such a fun time because um, this bathroom attendant uh, company, it's called the Grand Artique now. If you're ever in San Diego, they morphed it from a bathroom attendant company to now they have this awesome retail store where they they trade all kinds of cool goods. And anyway, we called it Team Latrine. And we were all these sort of, you know, healthy, skilled guys working in the bathrooms. So what we would do is like, you know, if you're ever like at a nightclub or whatever, you come into the bathroom, a uh, bathroom attendant turns on the water for you. It's kind of annoying. Then you feel like you're obligated to like tip them, right? <laughs> so I got really good at uh, at sales. And you give guys gum, you know, pump them up. Hey, you look great out there, pal. Have a great night. Give, some, give them some cologne. Give them some gum. And these guys would tip you. And I was walking away with three, four, five hundred $500 a night because I was really working it, right? I was connecting with all these guys and having a lot of fun. And it was definitely my scene other than hanging out in the bathroom, right? That's not that's not too cool. But <laughs> the money was cool. I was saving money, um, did the bathroom attending for maybe a year in San Diego, had a great time doing that. And I remember, you know, I, I did it a couple times in a strip club. And I remember walking out of there with more cash than some of the ladies who were dancing, working, and um, sort of feeling bad for them because they were they were working harder for the money than I was. But it was just such a, a fun and interesting time in my life to like be this kid who you know has a lot of talent and a lot of opportunity, and here I am in a bathroom 
just uh, hustling, making as much money as I can to get to the next level of my life. And so I um, studied for the real estate license. I failed it about five times, uh, finally got the pass. Evan and I moved back up to Tahoe together. I get into real estate. Um, I'm working with a guy named Mark Moore, who's a fantastic mentor to me, really sort of taught me the industry and how it all works. And and then I started selling, you know, a four, five million dollar houses. I actually ended up selling a four million dollar house to some uh, clients, and I knew that they already had another like six million dollar house. So I was, I asked them, I said, "What are you guys going to do with this house?" And they said, "You know, we're not sure. We're just sort of land banking the money, putting some money here." And so I said, I raised my hand. I'm like, "Can I live here?" And they're like, "Yeah, absolutely." So Evan and I move into a five million dollar lakefront house with a private pier beautiful setting and here we are we're like 25 living in this awesome house i'm selling real estate i'm making more money than i've ever made in my life uh grew up uh, mowing lawns with my dad and we had humble beginnings and here i am selling these big ticket houses and getting these commissions and i could just see my career you could see it continue to skyrocket and grow in real estate can i get you a mint sir what a funny fucking story So Galen's killing it in the Tahoe real estate game. But like anyone with an entrepreneurial drive, something was missing. And that's when the big truck story takes off. I had this sense that there was more for me. I'm like seeking something new, something different, um, uh, and something bigger. And so during this time when we're living in this house, me and another friend start making hats together. My friend Kelson Thompson, I give him all the credit in the world, actually. He's the one who came up with the concept of putting a patch on a hat and showed me sort of how to sew. So he and I start making hats together, um, and it was called Dump Truck initially. And we're making these Dump Truck hats and having a lot of fun just making hats and gifting them to friends. And I'm selling properties, making more money than I've ever made. Ended up buying a boat because we had this darn pier, so it would be a crime to not buy a boat and put it on our pier with a private boat hoist and buoys and we were living the life just having so much fun and making these hats was just filling my bucket and real estate was cool but it was not filling my bucket so in 2010 um, I quit my job in real estate which was sort of a shock to everyone they're like uh, are you sure you want to do that you, you've got this career you're already crushing it like in your first couple years And I was damn sure I wanted to do that. So I quit my job to pursue making hats. Kelson, me, and Shayla, my wife, we sat in our condo in 2010, and someone had already taken the name Dump Truck, the trademark. So we asked Shayla, what should we do? We called it like Dump Truck Couture for a while and DT Couture, and we had all these names. We're like, we don't know what to do. And Shayla, you know, being my wife, knows that I want to take things big. And uh, she said, well, you want to take it big, call it big truck. Plus the word dump's not that attractive anyway. And we did, and it was on full force uh, to make this brand, big truck. And, you know, as I quit my job and pursued my passion in creating a brand, it became obvious that this brand was going to be about inspiring people to do what they love. Because that's really what's in the DNA of the brand, I mean, for me to have the opportunity to quit my job to do something that I love, it's just authentically a part of the brand. And this message we came up with of fun first, you know, this was it. Like, 
I was not choosing the money in real estate or the, the safe path. I was choosing fun. I was choosing what made me feel good in my heart, what made me feel like I was actually pursuing my dreams, and that was building this brand, making hats. And so, gosh, we that's what we did. Like, Kelson and I got our first industrial sewing machine, and we were just sewing hats all night. We'd get these big orders from some of these ski companies and GoPro and Squaw Valley is where, like, Big Truck really was born and raised. And we started making the employee hats for for Squaw Valley and just growing the business. And it was really just me and Kelson like in our little shop. And it was sort of this, um, this passion project. I don't want to call it a hobby, but it was at that time, it was, it was just, we were doing it for fun, you know? And the first time we ever actually sold some hats, um, I brought like a dozen hats into a local shop in Tahoe city called Dave ski shop. And the buyer was really awesome. Kim, Percy, um, she's worked there forever and she's a fantastic woman. And she, I bring in these hats and she goes, Hey, awesome. We'd love to take your hats and carry a big truck here, but, uh, I need an invoice to be able to receive these. So, so I walked over to the bagel shop next door and literally on a napkin, I wrote an invoice for the 12 hats, brought them back to her. She laughed. She received the hats. And, uh, that was the first time uh, a big truck hat was ever sold to market. And so, yeah, we were kind of growing the brand, making hats, you know, buying material for one, selling it, making two, three, just really organic, starting from zero and growing, growing, and then brought in some other partners. And Big Truck really turned into a business, an accountable business. We started paying our employees uh, meaningful year-round wages, which is super awesome in Tahoe. It's hard to find year-round employment in the mountains, so... I'm super proud that we've got this year-round meaningful wages. We've got 401ks. We've got medical, dental, and, you know, all of our team members get a pass to Squaw Valley so they can ski. They get a pass to Julia Mancuso's gym so they can stay healthy and happy. Yeah, and so Big Truck is just on the rise, and we've got this fantastic team of about 15 people who is just committed, dedicated to the message of Fun First, and just growing that message, growing the brand um, globally. Very cool story of following your heart, working with passion and conviction, and how that could turn into something amazing, not just for you, but for those around you as well. Now, before we get going on Galen's trajectory, I wanted to take a quick aside and talk about the two women that have helped him reach the levels that he's achieved, one on the personal side and the other on the professional. First up, Shayla. Oh, man, Shayla Gifford. Shayla Stitzer when I first met her. So one of my best friends, Reed Hamilton, grew up next to Shayla, and Reed ended up moving from Reno to Santa Barbara after high school, and Reed and I connected in Santa Barbara and became best friends. And then when we came back to Tahoe for, like, break and stuff, I met Shayla, and the first time I ever met Shayla, we were at Squaw Valley, we were dancing, and, you know, I was a single guy, I'd been experiencing different relationships and women and this or that, and, and I meet Shayla, and the first night I'm dancing with her, I start, like, whispering in her ear, like, we're going to travel the world, we're going to be together, and, like, you know, I just have this whole thing, like, something, like, something overcomes me and takes over, and I just start saying these things that I just wouldn't usually say when you first meet a gal. And she kind of looked at me and she said, you're full of shit. <laughs> and, I, and I remember she tells a story. I took a step back and I'm like, no, I'm not. 
no, no, really, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not full of shit. I. This is how I feel in this moment. And she could see that I was being genuine. And then after that, after that night, I ended up. I didn't know I did this until later. I found this old email. I found an email in like my old Hotmail account. After that night, I said, uh, Shayla, you're gonna make a man very happy someday. Um, dot dot dot. Lucky me. <laughs> right. So I didn't know I. I I didn't know I sent her that. I, mean, I don't remember drafting that email, but before we got married in our wedding, I looked at my old email and found that. So I, I just love that. I was manifesting like a mofo uh, to get this girl. So we got married August twenty second, two thousand nine, and we've had two uh, amazing uh, daughters, Gemma who's seven and Gwenny who's four. I just married up. That is a message that people need to understand. Like. Take your time and marry up. Like, Shayla has empowered me in my life. She's the one who has given me confidence when I said I want to quit my job and I want to pursue Big Truck. Not only did she give me confidence, but she helped me name it. She's an amazing, amazing, amazing woman who I'm just so fortunate uh, that I get to live with on a day-to-day, right? And and we get to learn from each other. We're very different. She's very driven, she she's an achiever, she's a goal, a goal attacker and a go-getter, and I'm sort of more of like a feeler. I'm not very strategic. I just sort of feel my way. I don't really think things through. I, I feel my way through things, which is just such a cool balance, and we learn a lot from each other. And, of course, um, like any relationship, it takes work, So, but we're just committed and dedicated to, to that work because it's the most important work we can do is, is working on our love and, and just – you know, I guess at the end of the day, I just, I feel grateful and blessed that Shayla and I have both, you know, chosen to live our lives together with, with like a spirit and love at the center of our relationship. You could just hear it in his voice. So much love. They really seem to be amazing partners in crime. And that brings us to another powerful female in Galen's life, Olympic gold medalist, Julia Mancuso. Julia Wow, Julia is an amazing, amazing person. She, Julia has really been such a powerhouse for Big Truck. Back in the day in 2010 and earlier when they were dump truck hats, Julia wore the hats. She would wear them on the podium when she won a race. She would just bring Big Truck with her on her successful career. It's so cool because Julia embodies the fun first lifestyle or the fun Olympics, as she would call it, lifestyle, where she does things her way, right? Like in her career, she would train for skiing in Hawaii. So she would just do things her way. She'd do it differently. Um, she's all about fun and smiling, and she would perform her best when she was having fun and smiling. And I feel like uh, I'm the same in that, and, and she really just embodies that fun first spirit. The reason I was able to get my first investors actually was because they were fans of Julia and they loved Julia. And so that sort of nurtured that relationship. Like I said, you know, the first like really corporate hats we ever made were for Julia where we would sew like a Sprint logo, one of her head sponsors on there, or one of her ski sponsors on the hat. And then she'd wear it on the podium proudly and just really helped us get some visibility and exposure for Big Truck. And she, you know, she is totally the queen of Big Truck in my heart. She's done so much for the for the company that she probably never ever really even know, and so I'm just eternally grateful for her. And we have such a 
symbiotic relationship because um, after the Whistler Olympics, um, I started managing Julia in her career and helping her capitalize on business opportunities. And so I was really able to help her and she was able to help me and it was just created this symbiotic relationship, a sustainable, awesome relationship. And I love that girl. How cool is that? Two powerful women, two powerful partnerships. All right, I'm going to pause here quickly. Now, Galen is an avid surfer and skier, as are many big truck followers. So they'd be wise to check out Health IQ and potentially save up to 33% on life insurance. Health IQ is able to do this because the science and data support the claim that health-conscious people deserve to pay less. Remember, that's healthiq.com slash idigress for more info. All right. So Big Truck has grown by leaps and bounds in a short time, thanks to the close association with a fun-loving lifestyle and the support of athletes such as Julia and fellow Olympic gold medalist Michaela Schifrin. This has allowed Galen to evolve into a new role within his company, Chairman. So what's that all about? From designing the hat to selling the hat to putting it in the box and sort of touching the process uh, in every spot, you know, I did that for years in the business, years and years, and then... I get this super talented general manager and, and bring some other talent around us. And I noticed that if I, I try to do everything, well, then I'm suffocating the baby. And so it was really a time for me to um, delegate authority, right? Like that Red Hot Chili Pepper song, give it away, give it away, give it away now. You know, bring in folks who are smarter than me, more experienced than me, and allow them to succeed. And so I was the quote-unquote CEO for all these years since Big Truck's been a thing. And just recently, you know, I sort of stepped down from the CEO role and the the day-to-day operations so I could do the more strategic stuff, um, be a chairman of the board or this or that. So, But, I mean, you know, it's it's such a lesson for me, like bring people around you who have more experience, who are smarter, delegate the authority to them, allow them to be successful. And that's really what I've done at Big Truck is brought in really great folks and allowed them to shine and you know support them as they shine and bring in different pieces to the puzzle and Bill, you know, Bill Sinoff's our general manager who's really our managing partner. And you know, when you have a general manager, you don't necessarily need a CEO and a general manager at the same time. So I'm very involved in big truck. I'm just not in the day to day operations anymore which has really been an incredible thing because I've been able to pass that on to someone who is frankly better at it than me anyway. I get to work in my genius, connecting with people, um, some business development stuff, and managing the board of directors. And it's cool when it all works, you know, and I think it's very easy. It's very easy for me to get in my own way and be like, I need to be the CEO, I've been here, I'm blah, blah, blah. You could, I could see myself doing that, how easy that is to just be sort of stuck in that fear pattern. Um, so I'm super proud of myself for taking a step back and being like, no, this, you know, for me, it's always, it's not about me. Big Chuck is, has zero to do with Galen Gifford. Big Chuck has everything to do with everyone who touches it, every customer who touches it, every employee and team member who works on it, every vendor who works on it, like, I want big, everyone who gives to Big Truck, I want Big Truck to give back to them a hundred times fold. And, uh, and that's, that has nothing to do with me, man. I, I can set the culture, set the pace, but it's really this group effort of all these people. This local town of Tahoe City, Truckee, North Tahoe has just lifted Big Truck up on its shoulders and said, go ahead, 
you've been successful here. Go shine. Go spread this love. We support you. And I'm just incredibly happy to be um, a steward to the brand and be someone who will continue to usher it in the direction of positive growth and inspiring more and more people to live a fun and authentic life. I'd have to say he's probably a pretty damn cool boss. Just saying. So now that he isn't involved as much, what's Galen doing to, as he puts it, fill his bucket? You know, I'm not in the day-to-day operations as much at Big Chuck, so that frees up time for me to um, sort of you know, spend time with my daughters, pick them up from school, be there for them. Um, my my wife works tremendously hard, and, and she's got a full-time job and, um, you know, 200 employees at her business. And so it's really helped with the family where I get to spend more time with the kids and and I also got into aviation and flying, which is actually a fun. I'll give you the quick story. I um, I was at my friend Jim Wilkinson's house, and he was having a party. And who's there but Goose from Top Gun, right? The actor Anthony Edwards. And he and I got to talking, and we spoke for about 45 minutes about you know, he's an actual pilot, how much he loves flying. We were talking about Top Gun and just a really awesome, inspiring story. And so I go home and I'm like, Shayla, Shayla, I'm going to fly someday. And my grandpa was a pilot back in the day. Um, so I've always thought about it like that. You know, my grandpa was a pilot. He could do it. I could do it. And then uh, Shayla's, you know, awesome Shayla. She's like, cool, cool, cool. But she's like, but you're afraid to fly. <laughs> so, which I was, I am. So she thought it was kind of funny that I wanted to learn to fly. But I, you know, I knew that I wanted to expand my comfort zone around that. And, and, um, and so anyway, two weeks later, our friend, this guy named Victor, calls me and says, yo, man, I heard you wanted to fly. I just bought you your first lesson. It's Sunday. Go for it. Have fun in Reno. So I start flying and Victor got me in and Goose got me in and Shayla got me in and here I am flying airplanes and it is just, I mean, my first couple of lessons, my shirt was soaked with sweat. Boy, that is scary getting in one of those little planes for the first time and, and just learning about how the whole thing works. There's so many different complicated procedures and engines and talking on the comms and, and, uh, avionics and just getting the whole thing is, is such a, it's such a new experience when you first get into it. And I've loved every second of it and been grateful that I've had the opportunity to fly because it takes, you know, time commitment. It's expensive. And so I'm just grateful I have the opportunity. And here I am flying. To fly, you need 40 hours of time as the pilot in command with your instructor. You need to pass a written test, just like your driving test. And then you also have to pass an FAA check ride which is like the DMV, right? You sit in there with the DMV person. They make sure you're competent. So, just last week, actually, I, I had to go for my written test. And, of course, I've never passed a test in my life, I feel like. Just the dyslexia stuff comes up for me and the fact that I've really never been able to pass a test. It took me five-plus times to get my real estate test. There's some stories about that that I can't even share on the air <laughs> on how I did pass that. And I just I literally never passed the test. And, and, and here I am, like, on this dream of aviation and flying, and I'm walking into this test, and I get this visceral experience again, man. I'm I start sweating. I like literally black out in there, and I'm just. But I'm I'm breathing. I'm like very self-aware of how the fear just took over me, and like my childhood drama just took over me, and I'm I'm experiencing that. And I go in, and 
I do the test and I hit the button. You get to find out if you pass right then and there. I hit the button and then they make you take a survey. <laughs> so I fill out the survey. I hit the button again and I'm just, I'm not confident. I don't think I passed it. And I see the screen and it says pass. And I kept it together. I was in this, this uh, test training area and I get up. And I go to my truck, and I just lose my shit. I start crying. I start uncontrollably sobbing in tears of just happiness. Um, and then I get home, and you know, I pull it together. Dude, you got to drive home. I get to my house. No one's there. And I just sit on my stairwell, and I start crying again. And I felt compelled to share that vulnerability on my Instagram story because I don't know, sometimes social media pisses me off. We always share the great things, and it makes people feel like their life isn't as cool. And so it was like a cool opportunity to share some vulnerability and be like, dude, I'm fucking dyslexic. I have learning disabilities, but God damn it, I wanted this. I wanted this so bad, and I passed, and I just cried. And I realized, like, the, the crying and the emotion coming over me was me purging my fear. Like, I was seven, six, eight year old Galen sitting in that stairwell crying from all the teachers that didn't understand me all the times I couldn't learn something I was just like purging and purging and so I just allowed myself to cry as this cleanse and I cried cried and Shayla came home and cried with me and some of my best friends cried with me and I just had this beautiful support around me and it was a brilliant moment and it was really cool that I could take that moment and realize dude I'm not an idiot I'm not dumb and that was like a pivot for me, man. I, you know, my whole story about dyslexia is a part of me, um, but it doesn't define me from this point going forward. Like, I'm smart enough, I'm good enough, and just grateful that I, <laughs> I passed that test and I got to have that moment. I remember seeing that Instagram story video that he was referencing. It was powerful stuff, and you couldn't help but get emotional along with him. It really goes back to that quote from Scott Sonnen I shared earlier. We've covered a lot of ground following Galen's story. To wrap things up, I asked him to leave us with some parting words as it pertains to what he's learned on his personal journey. My life is better when I choose love, when I choose to live in a space of love and fullness and realizing that I am good enough as I am. I don't need to be anything different than I am to deserve love um, and to deserve really the self-love that um, I think is so important. You know, it's such a, a trigger word or funny thing, self-love, but it is just so important, you know, to have that relationship with yourself for me to give myself margins for error. Like, we're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to continue to mess up and make mistakes. But I hope that I will continue to, um, first of all, admit the mistake and make it right, overcome it, figure out what to do next to find that growth. I know that it's super easy to stay in a comfort zone because that's exactly what it is. It's our little safe comfort place. And I hope that we can all continue to push ourselves out of that comfort zone because the world gets so much bigger when your comfort zone gets bigger. And then guess, what's ha guess what happens? Like when you push that comfort zone out, you still have another comfort zone, but it's just a little bit bigger. But it's like we can always attain this growth, can always support each other, I think um, people are going through hard stuff out there, man, hard, hard stuff. Like my story of dyslexia was relatively hard for me, but and there are big things that people are dealing with. So 
I think uh, kindness is so important. You, you know, like sometimes like my kids, they drive me crazy. They're seven and four and I'm like going nuts. So sometimes in my head, instead of treating them like my kids, I say treat them like they're the neighbor's kids because I'm always nice to the neighbor's kids, right? But it's very easy to be rude to the people you love because you're so comfortable there. So I guess my main thing is just it's all an approach of choosing love, um, just doing your best, man. Let's all enjoy the process and not give a shit about the result. It's all about the process. It's about loving to learn. It's about being kind, you know, giving hugs, giving high fives, and just understanding that we're all going through trouble. We're all going through challenge. But if we choose love and we choose fun and we choose kindness, then the person who's choosing all those things is going to feel that in their heart and and they're going to not have jealousy. They're going to purge any judgment and they're just going to love people. Choose love. It sounds so easy. And once you embrace it, it is easy. It's the transition from the cynicism and fear that suppresses. That's the hard part. With that said, once you take the first step, take the second. Let's challenge ourselves to define what we truly want and live with love as we travel towards it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you, Galen, for being open, vulnerable, and a lot of fun. I'll never look at a bathroom attendant the same way. Now go out there, everyone, and get shit done. This episode of I Digress Podcast was produced by me, Earl Chanel. Music by Imagine Dragons. If you liked today's episode, please share it with your friends. It would really help.